Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And today we have my friend, Laura Lawson Visconti, joining us. Laura and I became fast friends recently on a trip to the Philippines with one child. And today we're here to share stories of what we got to see and experience and the work one child is doing with at-risk children and children who have been trafficked in the Philippines. Guys, we were shook. It was so impactful to see the work they're doing and to know that hope is being placed in the lives of these children who have experienced the most extreme trauma. We're here to share those stories through the lens of Laura, who is one of the most creative people I know and has her own story of overcoming physical hardship. So she had a totally unique perspective on what these girls have overcome, having overcame physical hardship in her own way. And guys, I'm just so excited for you to hear this episode. I know you're going to love Laura as much as I do, and I can't wait to dive in. Hey, Laura. Hi, Kelsey. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am so excited that we're getting to have this conversation. I know in the intro, I kind of mentioned we had just spent time in the Philippines together, so I'm pumped to share everything we learned and experienced together today, but I would love for you to start by introducing yourself to the Radiant Tribe and telling everyone your story and how you got to where you are today. Amazing. Awesome. Well, first of all, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. And it's an honor to spend some time with you and hang out with you guys uh, virtually today. So yeah, I'll just kind of jump into it. So my name is Laura. I live here in Lake Tahoe in California, and it is currently 13 degrees outside. (laughs) So we're like in the midst of total like early snow. I think a lot of the US actually is in this position. So So my husband and I own a couple of businesses. So we first own a coffee roastery here in Tahoe called Drink Coffee Do Stuff. And that's um, been around for about two years now. And um, we are opening our first coffee shop in conjunction with that roastery this upcoming week. So the soft launch will be first and then our actual grand opening will be about a week later. So we're kind of in the midst of our first cafe build out and hiring baristas and hiring our manager and just kind of dealing with the health code permits and cleaning and all of that. So it's been crazy, um, literally working 20 hour days at the moment. So which is great. <laughs> <laughs> we love what we're doing. So it, it doesn't, I'm sure a lot of you guys listening can relate to this, but when you love what you do, it actually doesn't feel like work. So I'll tell people that like we're working these crazy days and People like get glazed over, like, and slowly back away. Like, oh my gosh, I, that's insane. But it's temporary. It's not always like that. <laughs> so we do own the coffee business. Like I said, it is called Drink Coffee Do Stuff. It's an homage to my husband's um, former career as a professional snowboarder. So he um, did really well in snowboarding. Uh, he was a pro for about ten years. He won um, a bronze medal in the X Games in 2012. 2012, I believe. And, um, yeah, he was pretty prolific in the industry and just fell in love with coffee through his global travels in snowboarding. And so always wanted to 
moved back to here to Lake Tahoe, where he's from, to launch a coffee business. That's like a call to action. So many coffee brands are about like, come in, get cozy, hop on our Wi-Fi, like get comfortable, hang out for a while, sip on your cappuccino. And we're like, hell no, drink coffee, do stuff, <laughs> order your coffee and then go out and do stuff and live an adventurous lifestyle. So um, the coffee business was literally a, a verbal call from God. Um, my husband, Nick, was in Switzerland on a trip one day where he um, heard the audible voice of God tell him to open a coffee shop. So he's literally been on that journey um, for about seven years now. And so this month we will see the fruition of God's uh, providence in his life and calling in his life to open that coffee shop. So the reason why I take so much time to kind of dive into that is that did form the framework for our move here to Lake Tahoe and like some of the career decisions that I've made subsequently as well. So my background is in fine arts. I studied painting in college and, um, yeah. So a lot of what I've done has been very um, influenced by that background, although I don't necessarily spend a lot of time painting nowadays and I'd really like to get back into it. So that's kind of my New Year's resolution and just personal goal for 2020. But um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time um, just in, in kind of the creative space, uh, dabbling in creative writing. Um, I did publish my first book a number of years ago and um gosh, what else? Uh, not so much graphic design, but definitely like some branding. Um, I, I primarily work uh, in travel and outdoor. Those are kind of my, my lanes. Um, just sort of all over the place in digital marketing. And so I did launch my own creative agency here in Tahoe a couple years back. Tahoe is a really rural mountain community, so there's not a lot of like stable jobs. So it's it kind of forces you to become an entrepreneur and figure out how to make it work if you want to live in the mountains and enjoy the quality of life here. So, um, I, so I kind of figured out how to make it work. So I do a lot of freelance photography and writing as well. Um, but every day looks super different. Um, the coffee business definitely is taking up most of my time and energy right now. But I do, I'm excited to kind of see in the coming years what that looks like, because I definitely want to put a lot of my energy there. But at the same time, it's literally my husband's calling and I'm kind of that support system and that cheerleader alongside it. And it's fun. I mean, coffee is so fun. It's a fun industry to be a part of. But yeah, so um, Kelsey, before you ask me the next question, I'm going to just keep rambling. But the one other thing. <laughs> That I kind of want to mention is my eye condition, and this is a little bit of a sobering, um, kind of switching gears a bit, but I did tell you about this when we were just in the Philippines, and it's definitely a huge part of my story. Uh, so when I was in art school in my early 20s, I found out that I had a really rare eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and um, it's really, really rare. I had never heard of it. None of my friends or family had ever heard of it, and I essentially learned that I have a genetic mutation um, that's incurable. There's no treatment. There's no cure. And it's causing my retinas to slowly die. So the retina is the back part of the eye that's connected to your optic nerve. And it's what um, helps your eye kind of transmit uh, light that enters the eye into electrical impulses that travel up the optic nerve and then convert into images that we see in our brain. So my retinas are dying and there's literally not anything I can do about it. So I have lost all of my peripheral vision and I've lost a lot of my night vision as well. And kind of just some other like side effects that I experience on a day-to-day -day basis. But it was that diagnosis and that realization that like the clumsiness I had experienced my whole life and like 
the endless bumps and bruises all clicked and made sense. Like I didn't know that I didn't have peripheral vision because I didn't know that I saw differently from other people, if that makes sense. Like you don't know what you don't, you know, with hearing or with vision or any of of those senses, like you don't know what other people experience. So I couldn't tell. And then, um, so I was diagnosed. It kind of came up, um, at when I was, gosh, I think 22 was when I first learned about it. I did have to stop driving right away. So that lack of freedom and independence that I had to give up as a really young woman was obviously super devastating and really shaped my view of myself, my view of God, my relationship with God, my relationship to people. Um, you know, I am a two, so I love being around people. I love love showing up and helping out. And it's, so it's been detrimental to not have to, uh, to not be able to rely on myself to do, to show up in the way that I want and to help in the way that I want. Um, so I've had to get really creative and ask for help, which is really hard for me, but all that to say, to kind of rewind a bit, moving here to Tahoe was a huge faith journey because it had literally been my husband's like life calling and dream and all these things. And he had had this highly successful career as a snowboarder. And so I found myself like, well, you know, I guess I'm going to trust you, God, because I don't know how I'm going to make it work in such a rural community with no public transportation. And like, you know, just walk. I walk a lot and walking is really hard in snow. So um, it turned out to be like the best decision I ever could have made because I had to not only rely on my faith in the Lord more, but also my faith in myself and just being able to not let my condition define me. So a lot of, I'm sure what we'll talk about today kind of stems from that mindset that I have of not letting this disease define me and also letting it propel me. But I'm open about it and I talk about it because it's a part of my story. And I think while most people don't necessarily have a really rare condition that's rendering them blind, they do have some difficult thing happening in their life that they can't control. And so you sort of have to surrender that and um, move on <laughs> if you're going to get shit done. And, um, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cut. Oh, but. you totally are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk about a little of how that shaped my time in the Philippines, especially with you, Kelsey. But in general, like that mindset is what has shifted so much of my life and my professional life and my job and how I relate to people and how I want to get involved in my community. And and it's hard. Like, it's not like it's just this easy thing. It's really, really difficult. And some days are easier than others. But overall, like, it's really radically transformed my faith, which, of course, I think is God's primary objective is to draw us closer to him. And that's what it's definitely done. So, well, yeah, man, everyone. I mean, I love your story. And the more time we got to spend together over the course of our our 10 days, together. I just was so astounded, not only at your your story and how you've navigated it, um, but also your graciousness with other people's pain. Like you could very well say like, no, I've got it harder, you know, when people tell their hard story, but you are the best at holding space. I heard you do it countless times on the trip, whether it's in the back seat of the van, whether it's on the airplane row right behind me, you know, I heard you hold space for other people and their pain and loss and grief countless times. And so your empathy is just next level. Now, you know, I, I am, so honored that you are able to share your story with us in this context on the Radiant Podcast. I would love for you to elaborate more on how your eye condition and finding that out at 22 has shaped your story, your career, how you've dealt with the limitations that came with that, but also created opportunity. You know, like, you know what? I have this limitation, but 
I'm going to move forward. And you've been very successful. And so, like you said, everyone, no one's a stranger to pain or feeling like something is limiting them. I think you're extremely gracious in the sense that, you know, you whether that's big or small in my um my idea, you know, you're gracious and like really um, never discounting what someone else's pain might be. But what would you say to that person who feels like, I just, I feel like something, whatever it is, is holding me back from my dreams or my opportunities or success? Hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the kind words and the encouragement. It actually it truly does mean a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable the ways that our own stories impact and shift the ways that we're able to communicate with others and connect with others. Because I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what life is all about, is how do we do life together? How do we do it? It's messy. It's complicated. Everyone has their own personalities and their own worldviews that they bring into the equation. And I personally get really hung up and I'm very fascinated by how can I show up and love on anyone, like stick me into any situation? And how can I use something that is shaping my life and my worldview to maybe hope, help someone hope or help or just simply love? Um, so it, I kind of have this weird obsession with it. So I love it um, that we're talking about this. But yeah, so thank you so much. I mean, gosh, I feel like to answer your question more directly, there are so many ups and downs with processing anything in life, whether it's something joyful and positive or whether it's something um, that's more devastating. So I always tell people to have grace on themselves and to let themselves have time to grieve and to process and to heal. And I, I do want to say as a caveat, like, I don't believe that what I'm saying is like the right or the wrong way to process pain or grief, but it's sort of my approach. And it is what I'll tell gals or people that come into my life that ask me these kinds of questions. Like give yourself time, give yourself um, proper healing. And that looks a little different for everyone. For me, while I definitely went through a period of depression where I left art school and I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to do with my life as a visually impaired artist, I kept just hearing the words over and over, you're going to be blind someday because my disease is degenerative. It does get worse over time. It does not um, really stabilize too much. It, it continually deteriorates. So rather than like continue painting and continue that journey, despite what I was going through, I kind of quit altogether. And I was like, well, not going to be an artist anymore. Like, can't do that. I'm not going to be able to see. And, and that was a really like radical response, but I couldn't get out of my head. This idea of being blind, it was so scary. It was so traumatic. I mean, it took years really for me to come out of that. But so two sides to that one, you don't necessarily need to like change everything about your life just because something happens. Um, you know, keep going with, with the giftings God's given you because like those are there for a reason. But also too, if, if things do change or pivot, like that can be a really beautiful thing. You mentioned my successful career, which I don't even know if I'd call it that. I definitely view myself as a work in progress, but I've been able to juggle all these different pursuits, whether it's writing, whether it's public speaking, whether it's um, photography or working as an Instagram influencer or this creative agency that I run, the coffee business, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm able to sort of juggle all of that because I pivoted and the thing, the one thing that I was obsessed with that I always put my time into that I always pursued, I no longer really did. So I had all this other opportunity for all these other things in my life. So look for new opportunities. You never know what's right around the corner. And I do believe, as cliche as it probably sounds, that God's tragedy and pain is a beautiful 
beautiful story. So what does that look like? It's not going to be this cookie cutter response for everyone. Um, you know, therapy is great. <laughs> yes, it is. I highly recommend, Kelsey, I know you and I have talked about this, but I highly recommend going to a good therapist that will help you walk through whatever it is, this transition, this unexpected life transition that you're going through. And as a side note, you know, I'm 32 years old. Like nowadays when I meet people that are in their late twenties or thirties or even forties, you know, everyone's got something, whether it's a health thing or a relationship thing or a parent thing, like everyone's got a story. So how can you be vulnerable in your story to connect and, and just be with someone in their story? And it doesn't mean that your story is better or worse or harder or, you know, anything like that. I don't think what I'm going through is harder than what anyone else is going through. Although I will say, it's more challenging logistically on a day-to-day basis to physically be going blind. I'm physically disabled and and visually impaired. I don't drive. Um, I could go on and on about how that's made me this really strong, tough person that's developed grit. Like if I have a photo shoot with a client and I can't drive myself there and I don't really necessarily want to tell the client because it's kind of weird. And I always feel not sure if I'm supposed to talk about this professionally or not, but I kind of talk about it all over social media. So if they really wanted to dig in and learn about my story, they could, but I don't know what context I'm supposed to bring this up. That's again, a whole conversation, but I always find a way to get myself to the photo shoot. I always find a way to show up and to not again, let this condition define me. And again, logistically on a day-to-day basis, it's not easy. And I want to say that because it's a good reminder for myself. Like it's not something to just brush aside Um, But it is something to work through and to overcome and just to, I don't know, like to radiate God's glory through that. And like, that's, I believe that that's what life is about. Connecting with people, not letting our our hardship like define us and cripple us, but being able to rise above that and use that to shape our story and, and then love and help other people. Well, I am inspired because I, you know, I hear you say that, but I also got to watch you and walk alongside you as you lived that um, on our trip. Now, segueing in to the Philippines, I would love, you know, you to talk about the impact of meeting these girls. You know, Ellie and I chatted about our time in the Philippines last week, but I would love to share from your perspective, like what it was like to see these girls navigate the pain of their own story, overcome the pain of their own story. I mean, I know the same is for you, but for me, I mean, our trip was deeply impactful to me and talk with these girls who have been trafficked, these kids who, you know, are at risk. They might not have been trafficked, but we, we spent some time in the village as well, or, you know, the local communities and got to meet some kiddos who are at risk and are sponsored. And that really helps their family support their lives. I mean, it was just deeply impactful. I would love to hear your perspective of our time there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, I will say, Kelsey, I mean, you and I have talked about this so much already, but just to kind of recap for the audience there, that was a really special trip. Um, and I know, you know, people go on these trips, people go on vacation, and people love to talk about their trips and their travel and their experiences. But this was different. This was a different kind of trip. I had done missions trips before. I know you have as well. I've seen poverty before, but there was something about this trip with one child um, I don't know if it was the people on the in the group or just uh, the straight up pain that we were witnessing and like the hope simultaneously along with it, but it was hugely impactful for me. Very, very transformative. I do travel a lot and it it I don't know that I've ever been on a trip, to be honest with you, that's been this transformative. It's been a couple weeks now and I'm still talking about it and thinking about it every day. Um, still kind of working through the, the 
articles that I'm writing and the photos that I'm editing and publishing and things like that. So I'm definitely like still, you know, in the midst of it. But yeah, I mean, my thought process has evolved a little bit. Initially coming home, I, I experienced major culture shock. You know, I, I felt that we were prepared incredibly well for what we were about to experience when we jumped into the Philippines, but it was really hard for me in particular to transition back home into my reality and day-to-day life and like literally launching a coffee shop that didn't stop and slow down (laughs) the Philippines that, that continued. So, um, that was really kind of challenging to be honest, to jump back into that. But yeah, I mean the trip, like, oh my gosh, one child is just doing incredible work all over the world, but specifically in the Philippines. I love Kelsey that we were able to visit these areas where one child has, has had a presence for a long time to witness what, can happen when a family does have kids that are sponsored and how uh, financially that makes a big difference. And they are probably a lot less likely to do something like exploit their own child for profit and for gain. And then simultaneously to visit the rescue home that we spent time in and to hang out with gals that have been rescued from online sexual exploitation and sex trafficking and um, prostitution it's interesting because the girls themselves, of course, didn't talk about it. And as you know, we were instructed pretty, um, you know, to be pretty tight lipped and to not ask questions. Yeah. That bigger. But the social workers did enlighten us and tell us a lot of the stories and a lot of what was going on. And of course, as I'm sure you and Ellie talked about, um, the whole issue now is, is what's happening on the Internet and the accessibility Uh, of it. And so it's so heartbreaking. And yet it's so hopeful because there's actually things that people are doing that are making a difference. And I just love like, you know, here in America, we're so spoiled. We go to church and we just sort of like tithe and we're like, show up at the church potluck and help out and maybe lead a women's study. But and there's nothing wrong with any of that. I don't mean to downplay that at all. But I will say there was something very special about being in um, a country that has some really really big problems and the government's really corrupt and they are not stepping in and doing probably enough. And there's an organization that's literally being the hands and feet of Jesus and helping these kids that are, that are both been rescued and are at risk. And I mean, one thing that we talked about so much on the trip was like, people don't necessarily need to always show up physically to help, but literally just donating financially can go such a long way as to further the mission of the people that are already on the ground that God has called that are using their giftings and talents to, to um, help these kids and to just be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like I said, so it was, there's so much to unpack. I'm still kind of word vomiting, like out loud processing it to people. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was so powerful. Like the, probably my biggest uh, takeaway that I was impacted by was those social workers and how they've, uh, dedicated their lives to helping these girls. And it's not always the easiest job. I think most days are quite challenging and really difficult. You have to know how to psychologically kind of help and support, um, but also not trigger. And that's kind of yeah. challenging. So crazy. Yeah. It was wild to me that, you know, I thought, I think one child has done a great job with their staff. You know, one thing I loved was that they have almost a one-to-one staff-to-child ratio at the ranch. A lot of women who are truly laying their lives down for these girls, like they don't have time to date and they're young. Like they're like under 30 and working and being kind of on the clock, able to be available for a crisis. You know, a girl who's coping and having a bad day, 
at all times. And so I was just really moved by the staff that truly lays their life down. I mean, I saw you write this in a caption, but it really stuck with me as well. When one of the leaders on our trip, it was either Lilith or Manette said, I would die for this cause. I was like, oh my God, like, you know, it's a privilege for us to be here to go and to go and see and then come home and go and tell. Um, but they like are on the ground every day being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we just have a privilege of being a part of it in a small way. But also these girls who didn't identify as victims, but as survivors, they were very careful with the language they use because they really work they, as in one child and the, the staff on the ground in the Philippines, work really hard to empower these girls to not be a statistic after, you know, they've experienced this extreme trauma. And right. so I was just in awe of the work that was being done and, and, and truly blown away from yeah. our trip there. Today's podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about what God is doing through today's podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians unpack the culture around them is through their Denison Forum. The Denison Forum is designed to help Christians thoughtfully engage the issues of the day from a biblical perspective. Each day, Jim Denison writes on the cultural and contemporary issues of the day through his daily article. You can sign up to get the Denison Forum daily article sent directly to your inbox at denisonforum.org or start your day off with the Daily Article Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to today's program. You know, it's so interesting too, because what's happening that this whole world of human trafficking, sex trafficking, and online sexual exploitation, it is illegal in the Philippines. It's not legal. And if someone is caught and prosecuted, then they're put away for a really long time and they're definitely punished. But at the same time, the government's not incredibly proactive. So to see people who are almost like, yes, they're working with the government, but also in some ways like replacing local authorities for like what should be happening. Kelsey, there was that one night that we went to the Red Light District and witnessed an older European man with a young oh guy. And it was so weird because in the moment, I almost felt kind of numb to it. I don't know. It was weird. It was like, there it is. It's literally right there. They were in a gas station. He was buying her snacks. And she didn't look like a child prostitute. I mean, she looked like a kid that was literally pulled out of her home. Like she, yeah. she looked pretty poor, I thought. But that's beside the point. It it was interesting that we had had all these conversations and talked about it so much. And, and then here we were kind of seeing it, but no one's doing anything. Like there's, you know, cops and police officers and law enforcement everywhere just kind of smoking their cigarette in the corner. No one's jumping in and doing every, anything because they're all in it. Like they're all a part of it and it's super corrupt and we were instructed pretty like you know we were told not to raise an alarm yeah. anything because it was not safe honestly that visual of seeing that that's really stuck with me since coming home um in the moment it was like oh like it was so commonplace it was weird even seeing the white guys that were there going into the bars and like buying prostitutes 
it was so, I don't know, so weird. It's a lot to unpack for sure. But how incredible, again, to go back to the site of hope, how incredible that there are organizations like One Child. And I know there's others as well, but specifically One Child who are there making a difference and helping to um, rehabilitate these girls and hopefully get them to a stable place that by the time they've been rescued and they turn 18 eventually, that they don't go back home and continue doing what they've been rescued from, which I know sometimes can be the case. Psychologically, I think it's, it's, they're so manipulated by their family. And of course, Filipino culture is so family oriented and family driven that I think you have to understand that context to maybe understand why a girl would choose to go back to that. But I think it's like, again, going back to these social workers, it's got to be so difficult for them to rehabilitate, to rehab, to, um, to, to help and to love and to essentially be the family of these girls and pray and hope that they can kind of continue and have a life that's not based in that once they turn 18, which then to kind of further that thought process is why going to college, I think is really, really important. And, and I did ask some of the social workers, like, what would you want Americans to know about this? How would you want us to show up and to help and to give and financially, where do you need the most help? Et cetera, et cetera. And they, they definitely stress this idea of college scholarships and hopefully eventually being at a point where the rescue home can establish a fund that does provide scholarships so that these girls have um, a purpose after they turn 18 and they can, they leave the rescue home because they have to leave. They can't just stay there forever and ever. Totally. Um, the, younger, the younger kids coming in. But I thought that was really profound too. Like when you have an education and you have skill sets and you can contribute to society, you're not just going to fall back on what's easy or what you know. So yeah, lots to unpack. Very um, emotional, very heavy. It's been very interesting, the delay at which I process. It's like while I was there, I was very in it. I thought I'd feel heavy every day there, but I didn't. But then when I came home, it's like, ooh, the floodgates opened and I felt in a different way. And I know you and I have talked about this off the record, but just I felt in a different way than I expected to feel. And it's like, I, I don't think it helped that I did an EMDR session in therapy literally the day that I left or the day before I left. So it's like, great. I did this like technique in therapy that makes me feel more. Um, right. <laughs> but coming home and processing that, I mean, obviously it's very heavy subject matter, but it's been a journey the last few weeks. So I, I'm with you. You know, I love, I love the possibility of maybe even um, post trip, you know, our team even thinking of ways we could fund. I asked Ty, like, would college scholarships be something we could work on? And I just think that'd be really cool because education yields so much opportunity. I asked the ladies I was, we were with on the van one day, what is someone who works at Starbucks in the Philippines making a day? And I think they said six or seven dollars. Um, yep. and, and I think that number's not far off because um, I've worked with some Filipino virtual assistants that charge like $4 an hour and that's a high wage. So they're living great. Um, and so six to $7 in a day is pretty standard and that's at a decent job. Like, you know, working at a coffee shop, a, a, you know, an eight hour shift. And so um, it, it really is wild just how far $29 a month goes there. It really, you know, for those of you who are considering sponsoring a child and wondering, does this really make a dent? Yeah, it does. And 
I don't know about you, Laura, but I really wrestled when we went into the, the communities, um, areas where we were just meeting families, not necessarily with kids who had been trafficked. These were kids in safe homes with their loving family. They were just um, struggling a little bit and had the support of one child um, with a sponsored child. I, I almost felt like, are, do they feel uncomfortable by me visiting their home? Like, I don't, I don't want to play into this like white savior thing. I, I just want to help however I can. I, I really wrestled with it. But when I heard, you know, some of these mamas who would have every reason to be standoffish or like, why are y'all in my house? They were like, no, thank you. This helps our family. And that that was really um, moving and it, it really changed me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also felt really um, sensitive to that and not wanting to come across that way. Sometimes I almost wonder if that's like an American mindset that we put on other Americans. I did not feel at all like anyone was viewing us as, um, as us knowing all of the answers and being able to be the saviors or anything like that. It just, I don't know. I think Filipino people specifically are so warm and welcoming and hospitable that they were really proud to show their homes, um, which I loved. But yeah, I mean, I do, it's sort of that tricky fine line because you do want to show up and take photos and tell the story. You do have to do some of those things to raise awareness so people are impacted. Like it's interesting, Kelsey, when I've told friends and family about the trip coming back home, sometimes they respond really well and they're inquisitive and they ask questions. And actually my mother-in-law just, um, just sponsored a kid actually just the other day through kind of some of the stories I was telling her, which is awesome. Um, but a lot of the response I've gotten has been kind of this glazed over like, well, how do you know one child is actually doing what they say they're doing? Or how do you know that the money that I'm donating is actually going to that kid, which is, I guess a valid perspective, but I'm also like, dude, I was just there. I just literally saw the way that this organization is is impacting lives, is impacting not just lives, but entire generations and communities and villages. It's really powerful what one child is doing. And it, it's so tough. I did not realize, honestly, that there was this American mindset of if I give to a nonprofit or an organization, I might they might be just taking my money from me. This might not at all. So I don't know for those that are listening, if this is something that you sometimes think, or if this is something you've encountered, or maybe there's an obvious reason for this. That's not obvious to me. I'm sure there's been organizations out there that have taken advantage that haven't followed through on what they, they, they say, but gosh, like <laughs> that's not one child. They're definitely, they're definitely showing up and helping. And, and we, as you know, Kelsey and I hung out with these incredible women for the course of the time that we were in the Philippines um, on the island of Cebu, who were kind of the hands and feet of one child in the Philippines and organized everything that's happening on the ground there. And they're, they were one of the ones that said, I would give my life for these girls. And that was their all of their mindsets. Like, you know, the money is going towards where it's supposed to be going towards. Um, it's crazy that you have to even say that. Yeah. I feel like I have to say that. I, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I, I wasn't prepared for the skepticism, um, right. even from family members. They were like, you, you literally just saw me go there. Like I, I went there, you know, <laughs> do I have to explain this? But, um, to just settle any of those kind of fears that some, some of you listening might have, it was really cool to see just how far $29 goes. Um, or 39, I think 
there's different numbers, but, um, you know, yeah. it, it was just, it was wild to see like, oh, wow, this, this actually does break down and cover education costs. You know, most kids need to wear a uniform to go to school. So sometimes kids don't go to school if the family can't afford a uniform and you've got medical needs covered. I mean, we were in a community where kids have been sponsored for 20 years um, in the area we've been in. And so we heard a lot of stories of hope, whereas, you know, the other team was in a community where it was just getting started and were devastated after meeting a a kid, a kid's family. Um, it wasn't a sponsored child. It wasn't a kid in the program who had died of diarrhea the day before. And that is so, that really stuck out to me of like, oh, wow, this $39 provides for the medical needs that can be life or death over something like diarrhea. Like he was just too, the kid was just too dehydrated um, to recover even once getting to the hospital, which is, is just so sad, you know? And so really being preventative um, and making sure a kid is getting the right medical needs, getting the right nutrition, getting an education, it really it really can t- change the destiny of a generation. Um, and so while that's a really sad story, it, it, it drove me even further to be like, oh, I definitely want to be a part of this. And that's such a simple solution, sponsoring a child to make sure they get all their needs met. Done. Easy. Sign me up. Absolutely. And on that note, Kelsey, for your listeners that are tuning in right now, you know, I don't, I I don't think that every single person out there is supposed to donate to one specific cause. I think there's a lot of things out there that are, um, furthering the work of, of God's kingdom that are amazing organizations, amazing people. Um, however, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like I was in a, I don't know, going to this, going on this trip and going to the Philippines, I, it really hit me. Like I am financially pretty well off. I'm not doing badly at all. I just bought a house. My husband and I have a couple businesses. We're doing great. And it's not hard for me at all to give $39 a month to sponsor a kid. I don't even feel like I need to cut out my, my lattes, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's actually not hard. And so I would just consider you to consider um, for those of the, you that are listening that if this is tugging at your heart in any way, definitely pray about it. Um, you know, don't just like give to give and like out of some guilt trip or just feel better. It, no one wants that. But if you actually are feeling, wow, like this is crazy how, what's going on in the Philippines, what's going on really around the world. And I'd love to do something and I'd love to sort of develop a relationship with a kid and help financially so that their parents don't feel pressured to possibly um, exploit them at some point or just so that the kid doesn't die of something simple like diarrhea like that preventative measure can truly truly go so far I would just encourage you to pray about it and to think about it and to talk to your spouse about it or you know, talk to your budget about it and um, <laughs> and just kind of consider it like if it's at all sort of touching you I, I myself sponsored a kid um, actually last night it just went through so I'm really excited about that a little seven-year-old girl in the Philippines um yeah, it's it's just really really easy. Um, we can't do something for every single person, every single scenario, every single cause that's out there. My goodness, there's so many causes now, and it's like you have to care about every single one, and that's really overwhelming. And I don't think that's right. However, it's important to show up and and care. I think about a few things and think about what God's put on your heart and um, what what might be really feasible. It's okay that you're not going over to the Philippines and like volunteering and 
that's okay. But if you feel like you can give $39 a month to, to help a kid and, and actually write them letters and have them write you letters and maybe someday go to the Philippines and visit and get to meet them, like how incredible we did. Kelsey and I did go to, um, a safe house. So like an in-between house where girls are, are put after they're rescued and before they're put into the more permanent shelter. And I noticed when we were in their bedroom and kind of like they're looking through, um, just, we were interviewing a gal and kind of just getting a tour of their home. I noticed sponsor letters kind of all over the place. Like there were letters on the wall that had been pinned up that had probably been read over and over, you know, that from sponsors that actually had a relationship with these girls. And that was really cool to see. And I mean, these are like, when you're sponsoring a kid, they actually form a bond with you and they like love you. And it's incredible. Like all the stories we heard like that were really, really special. So yeah, it's super cool. Well, yeah. And you guys listening know that y'all love, or I love talking about the power of belief. And, and really, I don't think until that trip, you know, I've, I've been involved in sponsoring a kid. Um, I think since I was like 16, that's when I sponsored my first kid and I don't think I realized how much writing a letter means to a kid because when, you know, maybe you look around and all you see is poverty. You probably see a lot of joy, a lot of family, like a lot of good parts. Of th- I'm not meaning poverty means every part of life is bad. But when you look around and that's all you see, dreaming sometimes doesn't feel like an option. Um, but when you have someone writing you and telling you, Hey, I believe in you. You can keep going. You can do this. Keep at it at school. One of my favorite stories was of a kid whose whose sponsor was an accountant and she grew up to be an accountant. Like, yeah, I'm sure she had to jump through some hurdles to get there. Just because she was a sponsored child doesn't mean she got a full ride to college, you know, but... To, to be encouraged from someone to show you that a certain career path is possible just by being in their life, that's huge. I know that I've had women I've looked up to and, and thought, I want to be like that one day growing up. And so as a sponsor, you kind of get that opportunity to believe in someone and tell them they're capable whenever you want. And it really matters. It really does. Yeah. I just think it's it's so much more powerful than than any, any of us honestly can probably fathom, um, unless you've been in that position and, and you yourself have been impacted that significantly, but how cool is it that we can actually help and that we live in, in today's day and age, it's 2019. Like we can sponsor a kid on the other side of the world and genuinely have an impact in the way that they grow up and possibly even their future decision-making like that kid who became an accountant. I love that story. Um, and then the other gal that we met that was getting, um, that was in the midst of taking her bar exam and becoming an attorney. And she had been rescued from sexual exploitation as a girl and had gone to the the rescue home. And it just like, it just incredible stories. The list goes on, man. Well, Laura, it has been a joy chatting with you about this. I know that we have a few things coming down the pipe. I think we have a preset pack coming um, in the next few weeks um, where if people donate, they'll get some presets. I know um, we have a photo book coming from the trip probably early next year. Um, But a simple way to get involved right now is to go sponsor a child. 
if you're on my email list or saw on Instagram, I, um, for, for someone willing to sponsor or to just even donate $20, I'll give you my Dream Clarity Planner workbook. If you donate $50, i will give you Insta Breakout or Pod Breakout, two of my main e-courses. And then if you donate $100 or more, um, we will, I will give you Dream to Done. Or if you sponsor a child, I'll give you Dream to Done. So those are kind of some incentives to give. You get a little when you give. But we also have all kinds of opportunities for you to give back and get a little something fun this month because we really care. Um, and, and Laura, thank you for joining us today, for sharing your story, for um, being willing to kind of share with the world uh, your process in going to the Philippines. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey, and to everyone that's listened this far. Thank you so, so much. And like Kelsey said, I just want to echo that. Um, she, by the way, was a really fun travel buddy. We had, a great <laughs> we had so much fun. Together. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. So she's just as fun in real life as she might seem like she is. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would just, can, you know, encourage you guys pray about this. Um, you know, it's, it's a simple thing. You don't need to sponsor a kid if you feel like financially that's a big commitment. Um, but if you feel like God's putting it on your heart to donate a little bit of money, you can totally do that as well. Like Kelsey said. So, um, yeah, so excited to see how everyone kind of responds and, um, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. And, everyone and yeah really appreciate it we will be linking up a way to give and get involved in the show notes but also where can everyone find you we'll link this up as well laura yeah so um well there's so many little links that i could give you but instagram is probably the best way to keep in touch with what i have going on and my instagram handle is at laura lawson visconti it's my name and then if you are curious about kind of what we're doing in our coffee business, um, my website is drinkcoffeedostuff.com for that. And then I have my own personal blog that's also lauralawsonvisconti.com. And um, that's probably a, a good enough place to start. <laughs> well, a little caveat before we All right. go. I, y'all, I saw Laura's wedding video, like 10 years. Well, how long have you been married? Seven years? Uh, well, this may will be seven. So you um, saw my wedding video probably like six years ago. Yeah. Yes. So I remember sitting at a Starbucks and my young life girls showed me this wedding video and I was like, that's so cool. It's probably the first wedding video I'd ever seen. Like on, mm -hmm. you know, on Vimeo when wedding video, well, you know, when wedding videos yep. would go viral. And when I met you, I was like, wait, I've seen your wedding video. <laughs> I remember watching it. You had a free people dress on or something. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> so smallest world ever. I called my young life girls who showed me the video. They're like sisters anyways. And I was like, guess what? Remember that wedding video? Um, and so they thought it was the coolest. And oh, second okay. caveat, just got my hell yeah blend in from drinking yeah. stuff. And I'm real pumped about it, y'all. So y'all got to place your order. It's amazing. Grab you some coffee. Shop small for the holidays. When you support a yeah. small business, it really does matter. Yeah, it really does. Well, thank you, Kelsey. Appreciate the shout out. And I'm excited. This is going to be fun. I can't wait to um, just see what the response will be, like I said. And, and just so so grateful that you had me on today. So thanks, thanks. so much for, everyone for listening. Thanks, Laura. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.
This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. It's not every day you have to replace a water heater, more like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right Rheem easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest Rheem water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.